Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Dr. Jen Hosler. Dr. Jen is a physical therapist, mobility specialist, and strength coach who co-owns a rehab and strength training business called Movement Upgraded with her husband. Together, they help people get out of pain and improve strength and mobility so that they can stay active for as long as physically possible. In the episode, Jen shares the mobility exercises we should all be aware of, how to make your workouts more efficient and effective, her favorite strength training exercises, and more. Before we get to the episode, I have a quick question for you, which is, are you a wine lover like me? If you answered yes, I have a second question for you, and that is, do you know what's actually in your wine? The answer is you probably don't because you can't find ingredients or nutrition facts on most wine bottles. Alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post these labels, which is how they can sneak sugar and other additives into their products. Fortunately, A great company called Dry Farm Wines has come to the rescue. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free and lower in sulfites and alcohol. But that's not even all. Every single bottle of Dry Farm wine is also made with organic grapes, free from all industrial additives, and fermented with 100% wild native yeast. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wines, conventional wines, even the top-rated expensive ones, can give me headaches and make me feel gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, I promise you you're going to be immediately hooked by two things. First of all, they're outstanding products, like I've said, but second of all, they're incredible customer service. I honestly don't think I've ever interacted with employees who are kinder or more helpful than the people who work at Dry Farm Wines. To get a bottle of natural wine for a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment. And one other thing, if you've been enjoying what you hear on the Health Investment Podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd hit subscribe and leave a written review. The more subscribers and reviews I get on this podcast, the better able I am to reach a broader audience, and that is my ultimate goal. Thank you in advance. All right, it's time to hear from Dr. Jen. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Dr. Jen. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I have been very excited to interview you. When I reached out, I was hoping you would say yes, and you did. So I just can't wait to dive into all of your knowledge today. Yeah, well, um, thanks for having me. I always, I actually really like being on podcasts. They're just so much fun. And my husband actually kind of, he told me that I need to start one because he's like, you're just really good at talking. And I feel like that was kind of a backhanded compliment. (laughs) He's like, why don't you go talk on a podcast so that you can talk less to me? (laughs) Not really. Well, yes. And yes and no. I think he was just like, (laughs) I feel like this is the stuff that you're telling me right now needs to be heard by more people. So he was like, you just need to go start a podcast. I'm like, okay, right. And well. he's like, I'm convinced. Yeah. Like, thanks for your input. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, our, yeah. I love him. He's great. So awesome. Well, so what made you want to become, you call yourself a performance 
physical therapist and strength coach. So I don't know if those, like, if you want to kind of explain what both of those mean um, and just kind of what led you to this point. Yeah. So there's the idea of like a performance therapist is not like some, it's not a like regulated title that is anything other than like made up to be 100% honest. Um, I use that title mostly because when people hear physical therapist, they kind of hear, uh, I don't know, whatever their experience with physical therapy is. And that's very often not how I practice. Um, I'm kind of like out of network in my clinic and I'm typically a different type of therapist. I don't just focus on like pain and the generic, like here's my exercises for neck pain. Um, I really, I like to work with people who want to just either get out of pain and get active or want to continue being active and taking care of their bodies. And so that's kind of where that title came from. But I'm really just a physical therapist who just is obsessed with learning and has learned a lot in that realm, <laughs> especially well, regarding I, mobility. Okay, interesting. I guess my just quick follow-up question would be, are you more of like a proactive physical therapist? Because I feel like whenever I've been referred to physical therapy, it's reactive because of some injury yeah. or surgery. So do people come to you without an injury or surgery? So I would say yes and no, kind of. <laughs> okay. So I, yes, I'm more proactive. I kind of, I like to think of living myself or that I live more on like the preventative side. We don't prevent injuries, but like a lot of what I do is help people like age well. Like that's kind of a mm-hmm. lot of what my goal is. And a lot of traditional physical therapy is reactive, like you said. And it's just like, here is how to manage your pain or here is how to rehab from surgery. And I was like, we have so much more knowledge that, and I have an exercise science background. So that was my like bachelor's degree. Um, and so I was like, I just feel like I want to live in like more of the fitness. Like I want one foot in rehab and one foot in fitness. And so I live a little bit more on the, yes, people come to me with pain, but most people come to me with like small little nagging things they've dealt with. Like maybe sometimes they sleep in a weird position and they wake up and they can't turn their head. And so they just have this like random neck thing or this constant chronic nagging tightness or, or they have like knee pain, but they know how to modify their exercises, but then they see it's kind of getting worse. And they're like, I didn't know that I could go to a therapist because in the past they would just be like, oh, here's some random exercises. And people are like, I'm already kind of doing that in the gym. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's not helpful. So I kind of became the therapist that I, when I was younger, I needed and, and didn't have access to, and that I didn't see a lot of. And I just kind of like to bridge the gap between fitness and rehab, essentially. I see. And then with your coaching in terms of fitness, are you mostly focusing on strength? Yeah. So like I, so I do a little bit of rehab, a little bit of mobility. And then I have like another, like, I really, really love teaching women strength training because um, that was like my first love was exercise. And that was what I learned and, and studied in undergrad. And then I got into the PT world and I kept seeing women coming in injured from like training programs. And I was like, what is going on? And then I started, I went through my whole own journey of like fitness and I fell for like the, not that I fell for it, but like, I didn't know where else to go to learn how to exercise and take care of myself. So I would do like Pinterest workouts and like cosmopolitan magazine workouts. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And none of those really got any results that I was looking for. And I was like, I don't really like, I felt like all of those were just telling me that I needed to be this like thin, really slim person. And I'm not that like, I am a short, stocky, like five, two thick person, (laughs) thicker, I would say person than like, not this like slender person. So I just felt like I didn't fit in with what I typically saw was fitness. And so as I started learning, like, I went through school and started learning strength training. I didn't like it at first because I was so uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm not good at this. I don't know any of this stuff. But I think I did like a year of CrossFit. And then I was like, went through um, some more learning and was just like really honed in on like strength training and got my CSCS. And that's when I realized like, wow, strength training makes me feel amazing. This is what I've been looking for the whole time. Like I want to feel comfortable in my body. Maybe I don't love the fact that like, it's hard to find clothes that fit me all the time, but like strength training was just like really pivotal for me. And then when I got into the clinic, I kept seeing women doing the same type of programming. Like um, they would be doing beach body or sometimes it was random Pinterest workouts and they were all injured from them. And I felt like what they all missed 
is actual strength training. And then I would see the other side of the spectrum later in PT as well in um, hospitals where there's like 80 year old women who are breaking their hip when they fall. Or I, there was a woman who turned over in bed and broke her hip. And that was a little bit to do with medication she was on, but their bones are so fragile. And women specifically, we like get, our bones become more fragile as we age um, hormonally, unless we do something to work on that. And so strength training is really important for women, but I didn't feel like, and I still don't really feel like there's a lot of good resources. And so I work a little bit with rehab. I work a little bit with mobility. And then I kind of in, I kind of like bring together strength training and mobility and specifically for women, that's kind of my, I guess, passion and what I love to do. So that was a really long way to answer your question. <laughs> no, I, I find it really fascinating. And it just happens to be that I'm talking to you today when I have started getting more into strength training this week as of Tuesday. So it's now hey. Thursday. <laughs> yeah. I so love it's it. been two workouts now. Very proud of myself. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, in the past, I was always kind of the cardio bunny on the elliptical and running mm-hmm. and doing cycling classes. And then I got really into yoga. And I think for me, strength training has always been something I feel really good after it, but I feel like it takes a while to see results. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know why in my mind, it was like cardio, the results came quicker in terms of just feeling like I accomplished more. I don't know, but I Strength training is something that I've always kind of wanted to consistently do and see what it can do for my body because I've never been consistent mm-hmm. with that. I'm, you know, I always say I can be consistent with sleep and I'm really good at managing my stress and I'm great with nutrition, but it's the exercise piece that I kind of struggle with. So cannot wait to hear every nugget you can give me today about strength training. Um, and speaking of amazing information. Your Instagram feed is just filled with it. And I'd love to die. It really is, honestly. And we'll share your handle and so everybody can follow you. But I'd love to dive into just some of the topics you've talked about on there. Mm -hmm. The first one being you did physical activity versus exercise versus strength training. And then I think I added mobility training because I was scrolling down your feed. And I was wondering kind of the differences between those and like when in our lives we should be doing the different things. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, those, those words are like kind of thrown around a lot. And this is something that like I learned. And and once I kind of got a good grasp on these principles, everything kind of started to make more sense. Um, That post explains it really well, but I don't go into mobility training. So I'll kind of talk about all three of them and what they really are. But one of the reasons I'm so adamant about strength training is because of the differences between physical activity versus just exercise versus strength training. And I usually just kind of, I think the easiest way to think about them is how much intention is behind what you're doing. They're all forms of movement, right? So like mm-hmm. movement for our lives are necessary. We need to move. If you don't agree with me, then you need to go read the book Spark because he talks about how basically like exercise and movement really affects everything we do <laughs> in our like brains and everything. Um, but essentially the main reason that we have nervous systems is to move. And so we need movement at all times in our life. But how intentional we are with that movement depends on whether that movement is just physical activity, whether it's exercise or whether it's strength training or general, just like training. Um, And physical activity is probably the least intentional. It's just the things that you do that are movement. So anything you do that is movement, strength training and exercise kind of are considered physical activity. They're just more specific. So physical activity is like when you get up out of your chair and walk to the bathroom or going out to your car to get into your car to drive to work if you're doing that, which I know a lot of people aren't right now. But those types of things are considered physical activity. Doing the dishes, um, vacuuming, they're all physical activity. Exercise becomes a little bit more intentional and purposeful. So exercise is choosing to move, but a little bit more like intentional. So that's things like going for fast like walks or incline walks, maybe jogging, just moving to move. Like exercise is usually like, I need to just like move. I need to get my exercise in. There are certain recommendations from like the CDC for how much 
exercise we should get. And that's like 150 minutes of moderate exercise, sorry, moderate intensity exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous um, intensity exercise. And so anything that we do that's training falls under exercise, but for exercise to be considered training, we have to be more intentional with what we're doing. So think about the difference between exercise and training as like, I'm going to just go for a jog today and I just need to get like my exercise in. Training is going to be, I want to put on muscle mass or I want to run under a like 10 minute mile or something. And that is when we start to choose specific types of, of exercises. Um, we choose like the pro that's where programming kind of comes around. So most people tend to fall more towards exercise. Like they're just moving to get a sweat on. There's not a lot of intention. They're just kind of like following a program, doing group classes. That's like more exercise when you're training. Um, for example, specifically strength training, you are picking like a workout program that is pretty consistent that you're following that you're, um, you are following particular principles. So you're choosing the type of exercise, the weight you're using, the rest periods, and you're slowly kind of progressing that every single week. So for something to be training, it just needs to be super intentional to produce a particular adaptation. For exercise, you're just moving to move to hit the bare minimum guidelines for your health. That's kind of how I like to think of them. Um, but training, you're going to be more intentional and you're going to be choosing to do something to get a response in your body because that's really what most exercise is. It's a stressor. And then when we rest or we're not exercising is when our body actually makes that adaptation. So if you're going to lift weights, you are stressing your muscle and then your muscle grows bigger um, after doing that several times for several weeks or months, if that makes sense. So that's how I like to think of the difference between those. So I think I didn't, I think that covers the three of them pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So then is mobility training more like I'm training for a marathon or something? So mobility training is more so like anything that you're doing, like cardio wise also is training. So cardio can be considered just general exercise, or you can be more intentional with it if you want certain adaptations. So there's a difference in adaptations in your body. If you are running really low intensity, like running long distances versus if you're sprinting. So those are still training. They're just more like cardio training. When it comes to mobility training, this is where the principles are still strength training, but we are looking at, um, more specific, like joint, um, I'm trying to think of the way to say this, not rules, but like the way our joints function, like it's very specific to how our, our joints function. So mobility training is still usually strength training. It's just joint specific, if that makes sense. So then is it best to do a combination of mobility training if you're doing strength training so that you don't get injured? Yes. So mobility training, what I like to think of it as is intrinsic training versus strength training is kind of like general strength training is pattern training. So like if you think about a bicep curl or a row is you're doing it the same way every single time and you're kind of in one position and it is, it, it's patterns like a squat and a deadlift or a pattern, you're doing them ideally kind of very similar way every single time. Mobility training is kind of picking up all of the missing links for wherever it is that you are not, whatever positions you're not getting into. Um, or it's working on deficits that you've lost. Most people don't know how to, to work on their mobility or haven't even thought about them until they're 30, 40, 50 and already have issues. So if you haven't even considered your joints for like decades, you've lost a lot of range of motion because that's how our bodies work. There are things that you can do to mitigate that, which we can talk about, which are called cars. I talk about them all the time, but most people don't learn them until they've already lost mobility. So most people really need to do a little bit of mobility training with their strength training and how much you need to do depends on how much mobility you've lost and what specifically you'd like to do with strength training. Like if you have a really poor hip, you probably shouldn't squat on that hip and you should probably be focusing that time more on hip mobility to restore that hip. And in the meantime, do something that doesn't, um, that you have the prerequisites for, or that you, that doesn't tax or require as much from your hip, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. What can you get into the cars? Cause I don't think I even know examples of what mobility training would look like. 
Yeah, for sure. So I actually, I posted something yesterday because I, I try, I really want to try to start to demonstrate that a little more um, because I talk about it a lot, but I don't really show it. And I think sometimes we need to see things done to really kind of grasp principles. Um, so really the cars and is like the foundation for working on your joints. And that's what mobility training is. It's, it's joint specific. It's focusing from the joint on the inside out, because a lot of people tend to focus too much on soft tissue, like their quads or something like that. Um, but our soft tissues really, um, are external and they are limited by how well our joints work. So the joints will limit them before. So you have to prioritize the joint usually first and foremost. Um, so CARS is the way to start with that. So CARS stands for controlled articular rotations. Controlled because they're just going really slow and obviously controlled. If I'm doing a wrist car, I don't want my elbow helping. I want it to be a wrist car. Um, articular, which is just another term for a joint. It's where two bones meet together. And the rotation, which is honestly one of the most important movements of a joint because um, that is what a lot of our joints, that's like the main movement at the joint level. So if you look at like our hip or our shoulder, all they do is rotate. Like it's a ball and socket joint. So like it just kind of like rotates around when you move. Um, but rotation is super, super important in all of our joints. And it's the way that we can stimulate our mechanoreceptors um, the best, <laughs> which are all going to help give you better proprioception. So think of that as just like motor control or a better connection to your shoulder or your hip or whatever. So CARS essentially is going to be doing a ton of things, but essentially all you're doing is taking every joint through its full range of motion. So if you want to like understand what a car is, you can always follow me and watch my stories because I share my car's routine on a regular basis. But all you need to do is, is ask yourself, what does a wrist do? A wrist flexes, extends, and it side bends or it, it deviates towards the, that was not a very good example actually because everybody's like gonna not know what anatomical terms are <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay but it, it, you can kind of see all the movements so a car or the idea or concept of cars it just kind of moves your wrist through all of its ranges of motion and essentially looks like a joint circle um a lot of people think about them as a joint circle which is totally fine so that is all it's doing and then it's just taking your joint through its full range of motion to do a ton of things but one most important one which i kind of was highlighting is that you as you age, if you don't use a range of motion, you lose it. Like our brains are like, oh, she doesn't need that. She hasn't reached her arm behind her back in like five years. Okay, cool. We're going to be efficient and just get rid of it. And so you're not stressing your tissues. You're not reminding your arm it exists back there. And so for uh, like 10 years, you don't go back there. And then one day you reach behind your like seat in the car to grab something. And then your shoulder pops and you have a bunch of pain. And you're like, why did that hurt so bad? I must be getting old. Well, I don't know if it's that you're getting old or it's just that you haven't put your arm back there in 10 years and you lost that range of motion and you tried to force it all at once. Um, right. So but then you can get back if you do the cars. It, yes, <laughs> exactly. That's, you can. Oh, okay, yes. Cool. So um, it's slow. So like maintenance is always easier than making progress. But like depending on how intentional and how often you do your cars and how many reps you do, you totally can get your range of motion back. And in fact, this is the best way and the most important way to start getting your range of motion back. Right. I see a lot of people, myself included, just kind of thinking that physical activity and exercise are enough. So I know I can fall into this pattern of just going for walks, not even particularly fast walks, but just going for walks and then being mindful about getting up throughout the day and trying to not just sit at my desk nonstop. But if somebody's thinking that, like myself at times, how important is it that you add in some type of intentional training? Like, is that something you recommend for everyone, even or especially as you age? Yeah, so that's a really good question, because I think this is something that I didn't fully understand either. But yes, um, strength training does, in training specifically, but especially especially strength training, does a lot of things for us. Women in particular really, really need strength training. And I don't mean like you need to be overhead squatting 300 pounds. And if you want to do that, I don't, that's like an insane amount anyways, but that doesn't mean you need to do that. But it does mean that if you want to age well and mitigate your risk for injury in the future and maintain your like physical uh, independence, you really probably need to be strength training. And 
sometimes there are times in your life when strength training and like being really intentional is just not going to happen. Um, when that happens, you know, that's life, whatever <laughs> you ebb and flow. I'm in one of those periods right now. I'm, I'm kind of pulling back on strength training, but I'm really consistent with it a lot. So it doesn't always need to be part of your life, like gung ho, whatever, but it does need to be something you do pretty consistently and try to work towards because of the fact that as we age, we lose muscle mass. Um, we lose our bone density. And if we don't do anything to maintain those, that causes us to have trouble with things when we're 70 and 80, like getting off a chair or like being able to go up and down steps. And that's just like one part of it. The other part is that you will have less pain and you will have less injuries if you really work to build the strength and capacity of those tissues, which is what strength training does. Everybody kind of looks at strength training like, oh, I'm just getting stronger. My muscles are getting bigger. But like your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, your joints, and your bones are all taking on that load. And they're all getting stronger when you're lifting weights. And if you're not intentional, you'll tend to randomly try something that's like really heavy and your body's not prepared for that. And that's the open opportunity for an injury. That's like what an, that's how injuries happen. So the reason that we need to have it be like more training and intentional is because we need to kind of manage the loads and make sure it's a slow progress over time. So our body has enough time to adapt. So yes, it's really important to include um, if you want to be health, healthy <laughs> as you age, um, but really, especially if you want to maintain your independence and function as you age too. That makes sense. Yeah. I see a lot of people right now, and I'm wondering your take on this. People are buying the Peloton bike. So maybe they're being more intentional and they're doing some training, but it's usually cardio training. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's doing physical activity, let's say daily walks and cardio training, is that enough or just everybody should still be doing strength training? So the general guidelines, and I'm going to say this is from the CDC again, but I'm, I'm like thinking that it's also from somewhere else, but the general guidelines for like health are what I said earlier about exercise, like 150 minutes or 75 and also two days a week of strength training. Like that is actually a, uh, like that's part of the recommendation. So oh, wow. usually the way that I like to think of strength training for a lot of people who aren't like super into fitness or maybe you are, but you're into a, one particular mode of fitness, like the Peloton, the Peloton bike. <laughs> oh, words, words are hard sometimes. Or something like that. If you like Zumba classes or the Peloton or whatever cardio you like, and you're not necessarily being super intentional, you just like to move and exercise, like that's totally fine. And that counts as your exercise. You don't have to be intentional with every single thing. Sometimes I think this gets blown out of proportion. Everybody's like, well, I have to then like focus on all these things. Like I kind of live in the middle of let's be really intentional with strength training to support what you're doing. And then the rest of it is is basically you don't have to focus as much or be as strategic unless you have a particular goal. But if your goal is just to be able to continue doing the thing, like riding your bike or walking or jogging or whatever, or Zumba class, you want to support your body with strength training so that your tissues like your knees and your hips and your quads and everything are a little bit stronger so they can tolerate those loads better. But it's not like you need to be real intentional about your cardio at all times. Um, I think that answers your question. I hope. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I love the idea. Even let's say somebody doesn't have the goal of adding muscle or they feel like they don't enjoy strength training. They just like the cardio. I like the idea of adding it in a couple times a week to support the cardio you love to do. So obviously if you love the Peloton bike, you want to do it for years and years to come. You don't want to hit a point when you can't do it anymore. So then that's kind of the incentive to add in the strength training. Yep, exactly. And I mean, and that's kind of where it goes down to strength training and mobility training. And I like to think of those two things together and mobility training as like a little umbrella under strength training um, because they really are almost the same thing. They follow the same principles. It's just whether or not you're using a lot of external load or internal load. But most people just need two days a week of at least like one of those things. Like women partic in particular, like they really need uh, like additional weights and load on their bones. Um, but I like to think of it as a way to support what you already love. Like if you don't love strength training, totally cool. I wish that you did because I love it. But I'm also uh -huh. know that not everybody does because I didn't even love it when I first tried it. 
And I honestly wonder if people don't love it because of the programs that they've been through or the, the experiences they've had. Um, because right. I've worked with people who are like, I didn't really like it because I kept getting injured. And I was like, well, that's, that's the problem, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we have to teach you how to control your body and learn about your body and, and maybe give you a better experience. But strength training is, it can be pretty variable and like you can, um, what are the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like manipulate it a lot to be something a little bit more of what you enjoy, but a lot of it's going to be more boring than people are used to as well. Cause you have to do similar things re- repeatedly, um, to get a response. Um, right. but yeah, I think that if you don't love it or whatever, like at least think of it as a tool to keep you doing the things you love for as long as possible. Yeah. And I think when you were talking, I mentioned to you earlier, I used to be a teacher, but it was making me think growing up, if you didn't like a subject, sometimes it wasn't the subject you realize later on, it was actually the teacher and you didn't have exposure to a great teacher. And then all of a sudden you're in AP history and you love history because you have the best teacher in the world. So I think that's kind of hopeful that if you haven't loved strength training, that there is some type of metaphorical teacher out there that could make you love it. Just you haven't found the right program. It's funny that you said that about history, because that's like, that is exactly the thing that I was thinking of when you explained it like that, because history, really, I hated history in in, uh, high school, but I actually love it now because it's so interesting. But like the way it was taught, it was not, (laughs) I didn't do very well in that class either. (laughs) Well, exactly. Because it was terrible. A lot of the time it was like, here's the history book read yep. it and answer the questions. So, but now you know, storytelling is really what a lot of history right, is cool. Right. Right. So, I love that. But yeah. So my question when you were saying again, to avoid injury, I've heard and read, you know, until this year 36 of my life that warming up and stretching is important. And I tend to skip those things, which is not good to admit, but is warming up necessary or is it better to stretch or do cars separately or how, what's your feeling on that? Yeah. I actually love talking about this because I think that over the years, like warmups have become this like insane, like here are all these crazy warmup drills that you need. And like, now we're doing movement prep and mobility work. And it's just like, what happened to like the idea of getting your muscles warm and your brain ready for what you're doing. Like that is really what a warm up is for. And I think that we overemphasize the warm up and I usually tell people like I think it's totally fine to skip a workout most of the time. Um cuz I to see skip that a warm up. What? To you said skip a workout, but to skip a warm up to yeah, before up, the workout. Sorry. Okay, no worries. Yeah, I just yeah. want to be sure cuz well, I'm hitting on every can, word. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can skip a workout too, honestly. That's, that's not true. Yeah. either, but I think that um, I will tell people sometimes if your warm up is feeling like the thing like that is keeping you from working out, the warm up isn't supposed to be the thing. It's supposed to help you do the thing. So mm. if it's impeding you, it's just another barrier for you doing the thing that you really want to do or need to do. And when I, I didn't have the best exercise like relationship either, like I was not consistent for a long time until I found what I enjoyed. And a good part of that was sometimes just like feeling like I didn't know what to do for a warm up or I didn't know what to do in the gym at all. And if you don't know what to do for a warm up or you're like thinking you need to do a billion things because the internet tells you you have to do all of these things, like here's your permission to not need to do so much for a warm up. Like move your body around and get your brain in ready for whatever it is you're doing. Now, if you are going to lift heavy weights, you need to to warm up to that heavy weight a little bit and probably get yourself ready. Um, by doing a couple warm up sets, but like most of the time, if you are needing like a 30 minute warm up to do an exercise, we need to think about like what your program is and what your focuses are. Because if it takes 30 minutes of like mobility work to get you to do a thing, then maybe we don't need to be doing the thing and we need to prioritize the actual mobility work. Um, and maybe you need to change what you're doing as like the priority for your workout and do a different exercise. Um, or we need to put more intention than just like a 10 minute, 30 minute warm up, like a couple times a week, because I see a lot of warm ups. They're trying to become the let's fix all of our joint issues from the last 30, 40, 50 years in the five or 10 minutes before a workout. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, mm, it's, yeah, it's, that's it's such not. a good point. So, so I usually say like, 
if you don't know what to do for a workout or a warm up, sorry, the, the best thing you can do is cars because that's taking your joints through every range of motion they have. It's going to check the box for your daily movement habit to keep your joints healthy. Just like we need to brush our teeth. We need to take our, our joints through the full range of motion. And I don't know what better way to prepare yourself for exercise than moving your joint through its full range of motion in a controlled manner. Like, hmm. I don't know what else. And it doesn't take a lot of time. Like if you do full body, it's, it can be less than 10 minutes. If you just do the areas that you're working on, it's even less than that. Um, and if you're doing your cars daily, you've already kind of warmed up for the day. I really like personally don't think we need to do a ton more in our warmups for our workouts. I will add a little side note to that real quick is just like some people do need to do more specific things. And that is like a small niche people, a group of people that um, maybe are working through an injury or something like that. Then, you know, cause I can hear people telling me, well, I have to do that. Well, so, so, and so told me I have to. So some people do, and that is like something that you would have to have recommended by somebody else. But I, I don't think that most people need to put so much emphasis on their warmups. When you were speaking earlier about how you would find just some random workout in a magazine or something, I mean, I totally fell victim to that for years, <laughs> but I just, when you were talking about warmups, I think that's where I've gotten the idea. And that honestly did keep me from exercising a lot of the time because I would, there would be full two or three page spreads of this is everything you need to do before you do the thing. And it was just overwhelming because it's like a workout in and of itself. And then you're supposed to go do the workout after that. And then that made me just like, never mind. I, I don't have time for that. So yes, I love exactly. you're tackling a lot of the misinformation out there, which I'm so grateful for. Can you share any of your tips for making workouts more efficient and effective? Yeah, for sure. That's like one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> because awesome. that is like, I, I feel like in fitness, sometimes when you look, especially on social media, when you look for people who are giving recommendations or writing the programs, like even the warmups, they're writing things that they really believe are like going to help people. Like this is the ideal situation, right? Or this is what I do because they spend two hours of, of, at the gym because they live, eat and breathe fitness, which is totally fine. But most people are not fitness people or they are fitness people, but they're not fitness obsessed people. And that's totally fine. And you don't need to, to be healthy. And, um, I found, I worked in a globo gym for like three months when I was studying for boards. And that was all I could do because it was just your typical like bro Chad giving all these recommendations to like general, like people who are just like trying to live their lives. And it was just, nobody was consistent. And there was so much disconnect. It was like so frustrating to see. And so I was like, you know what? We need to like really just talk about sometimes doing the bare minimum or just being like a little bit more efficient is really is what we need to do. And you don't need to spend two hours in the gym. You don't need to have a 30 minute warm up. You just need to get in, get done what you need and get out. And most, most strength training workouts that I make are 45 minutes to an hour. You could probably get them done even in 30 minutes if you cut out some of the accessories, which are nice to have, but not need to have. So um, a lot of people, like a lot of the way that I write programs is so that people can get things done quickly. And one of the ways that I do that is just, I use supersets like it's my job. I know that like, if you look in the strength training world, especially powerlifting, they're like, never superset all of your exercises. <laughs> Wait, what does that even, what does superset mean? Superset means putting two exercises back to back. So okay. I, if you are doing an exercise and you are putting another exercise like back to back versus just doing an exercise, resting, going back to that exercise, you are going to do a couple things. One, you save time because you don't have to just like walk around during your rest. Two, you are going to probably get your heart rate up a little bit. So it's kind of a little bit of tackling two birds with one stone. Now I can say when you multitask like that a little bit, your strength training, like your ability to get strong will not be like, like if you're really working on like max peak strength, then you will not quite get there and you need to really focus on just one lift at a time. 99.9% .9 of the population are not trying to do that. And you can still get really pretty strong with supersets. I, I have superset all my exercises. So mm. supersets just means putting exercises together. Now, the best way to do that is to put an exercise with another exercise of a different body part that you're training. Okay. 
So I will put like a squat with a push up or a squat with like a pull up so that you're using like upper and lower body. So you're not fatiguing the muscle. So it affects the other exercise, um, which is really important because like if you do want to get stronger, which you the strength training is kind of the goal, um, you're not going to want to pair like a bench press with like a push up because that will make you weaker as you go because you're doing two of the same body part, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I've been, I mean, I'm going to follow your page and get more tips from you, but I've been creating these little circuits for my husband and I to do. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's what we're doing. We're like putting exercises back to back, but just earlier today we were doing a Bulgarian split squat, which I learned about from a friend who's a personal trainer. And then right after that, I think I had us doing a wall sit or something. And he was like, what are you doing? I I cannot sit on the wall right now. My legs are shaking. I was like, oh, sorry. Maybe let's do some push-ups. Yep. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that makes total sense. And okay, so put exercises back to back that are different, different parts of your body. Do Mm -hmm. you recommend doing like a circuit type of thing where you do Fourth, what I we were doing is four different things and then going back and doing them again and then again so three times yeah so circuit training is a little bit so like the more exercises you're adding the less effective it will be for strength um, uh, okay. and the less intention you get to be with your exercises because you're kind of you, you have a lot of them so circuit training is good if you're kind of like what's the bare minimum I have to kind of hit everything so With some people, I will do that, but I also will always tell them, like, we are always going to be, if you love circuit training and that's, like, what helps you stay consistent with weight training, um, I usually say, add your circuits to the very end and pick, like, at least two lifts that are going to be non-circuit, that are going to be slow and intentional and a little heavier. Hmm. Something like that. I like that. that. The two is just whatever. So I like to to say, like, if you really like circuits and that's, like, how you're consistent, like, you know, stay with it because that's the most important thing, right, is just doing something you're consistent but like maybe also do like just a little bit more I'll add circuits um at the end of my program sometimes to get heart rates up a little bit we'll just drop the weight so they can do them a little bit more quickly and make sure they're not affecting quality reps right like you still want to have good solid controlled reps because that's really important um to get the most out of your training but to um make sure that we're really working on strength training. Most of the time we need to make sure we still have like a couple of exercises on their own. And I don't usually pair more than two exercises back to back in a superset, unless I'm working on really like a metabolic finisher, which I'm putting in quotes where I'm like really trying to stress a muscle. So sometimes at the very end, I'll do like three glute exercises back to back as like a little finisher because one, I like glute training and most people do. And two, it can add a little bit of another stimulus for growth if you want to grow your glutes so that's where we talk about being a little intentional and the details kind of matter in in knowing what you're going to get and why you're doing things okay um as I was preparing to talk to you I came up with this term desert island exercises so (laughs) if you could do three only three to five strength training exercises forever to get the max results what would you choose I feel like this is hard because you love um, them all. They're like your babies. <laughs> so assuming, okay. assuming that like I would already do cars, like those are probably the most important exercises for me to continually do forever because I can make them really hard and make them feel like strength training by just recruiting more intrinsic muscle force by just squeezing harder or something like that. Oh, okay. So honestly, those would be like the most important thing to do. But if we're talking about strength training and I was like able to find ways of adding load because if I was doing squats forever, I would get annoyed as crap because it's just like squats. But if I could find right. load and stuff, this is me going so in-depth. <laughs> <But if laughs> I, I like it. So I would definitely, like if I could add load from like rocks or something on this island, assuming, because like with strength training, you want to slowly like progress and make things harder. Um, I would always want to do some form of a squat, some form of a deadlift. Hopefully I'd be able to do pull-ups somewhere, way, shape, or form, and push-ups. Like the most basic exercises go really far. And I will probably always have some form of those in my training. So those are what I would do, I think, besides cars. Okay. I like that. And then are there any exercises you see people do for strength training that you watch them and you just think that is such a waste of time? <laughs> um, 
I try not. I want to be sure I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, I try not to think that because sometimes I think like fitness gets to be one of those uh, like elitist type of uh, places. And I am happy when people are moving. Like if we look at the general population, this is me putting like a little public health hat on, but if we look at the general population, most people are just not moving enough. So if there is something you love doing, I just like, I want to help you continue doing it because the most important thing with consistency is that you find something you enjoy, like Mm. hands down. So there's not a lot of exercises that I'm like, wow, they shouldn't be doing that because they're moving and they're trying to keep up their health and I'm happy. What I really care most is, wow, I wonder if they really have all the prerequisites for that, which is like, are their joints prepared? Do they have that range of motion? Do they have the control? Because if you don't and you're doing an exercise that you may not be prepared for or your body isn't ready for, it's only a matter of time a lot of the times before you get injured. And if you get injured so severely that you can't move or you're in pain with movement, then that impedes your ability to stay active. And that is like the whole opposite of the purpose of fitness. <laughs> right. So no, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I see sometimes that there's not like a particular exercise, but what I do see people doing is trying um, random exercises without getting the like prerequisites or a baseline, baseline foundation of like strength down. And so they'll jump into like testing out their PR deadlift or PR, like whatever. And I'm like, let's start at the basics. So other than like, sometimes I don't really understand why we need to do overhead squats because that is a really hard exercise. And that exercise requires shoulder flexion, thoracic extension, lumbar spine control, hip flexion, which requires a lot of hip rotation, full knee flexion and ankle dorsiflexion. I think I named seven things that requires a lot from our bodies and 90 plus percent of the population doesn't have that. So that might be the only one that I'm like, you can do a shoulder press and you can do a squat by themselves. Um, Mm. Maybe we don't need to do that exercise, but if somebody loves doing it, I'm also like, okay, well, how can we get you to do that a little more safely? (laughs) Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful for all of the knowledge you shared today. And again, I just can't wait to continue to follow you and dive into your posts and learn even more. But I ask each of my guests a final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I love that you asked this too. When I saw your question, um, it's such a good way to explain things too. Like, I love the idea of investment. And I just finished reading Atomic Habits from James Clear. So if you don't know about his work, I have zero, like, I don't even get anything for this. And I literally recommend his book to everybody. Same. I talk about it nonstop. Yeah. And, I mean, I just to random people, just it's anyone just so, who will it's listen. It's so good. It's so good. It so he talks a lot about how the most successful people are the people who can um, put off and deal with delayed gratification. And that's really what I think most of what our health is. It's doing something, knowing that your return on investment is huge, but you're not going to see it. And you may never see it for a very long time because a lot of what we're doing with our health is putting like coins in a piggy bank that we may never see or not realize that like we're using, if that makes sense. So like we're constantly, I feel like taking coins out of the piggy bank as we are living our lives. And so the more coins we can put in, the more times we can do cars, the more we can get our walks in, the more veggies we can eat, and the more consistent we can be with like eating enough protein and things like that, the more coins we're putting in that bank. And then you don't realize it, but you're taking coins out often as well. So I think that the ultimate health investment is just how much you can put up with something that doesn't provide you with a lot of reward right away. And the ultimate health investment there, the ultimate way of thing that isn't going to provide you with an immediate, like, I don't know, gain is mobility training. Like it is so like watching paint dry sometimes (laughs) The, the like progress is, but it is like, if you don't have your joints, what else do you have? So I think that's like one of the ultimate health investments that we can do, but that's me because I'm biased obviously. Well, but it seems super important. And I think not a lot of people are talking about it. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I've never had a guest bring that up before. Um, (laughs) So that leads perfectly into where can we all follow you so we can see your little, you know, examples of cars and you giving us videos of how to do it. 
where's the best place to find you on social media and on the web world yeah. wide web? Um, I live a lot on, on Instagram, so I'm pretty active over there. And that's where like at Jen Hostler is my Instagram. That's my personal Instagram, but I provide a lot of like information there. Um, and then I, we have like my clinic is called movement upgraded and that's our online business and clinic. And through that is where a lot of our mobility exercises and education are also. And we have like a couple of programs. If you are, if you don't know where to get good, solid mobility advice, I would start there. Um, and we have even a car's guide. If you want to get started on taking care of your joints, um, that's all linked in like the bio. So those are the two places that I mostly am. If you want to dive more into mobility, strength training exercises, our YouTube um, movement upgraded, we have started, we have a lot of videos up there because those are actually what we use for our patients. We like, we'll send them those links when we give them their exercise programs. Um, So that actually is a good resource and we're working on uh, providing and putting up more videos on there. So that's probably, those are the three best places to find me. Awesome. I love that. I didn't know you had a YouTube, so I can't wait to dive into that. Yeah, it's we're working on it. And I'm trying to get more educational videos. It just takes time, of course. Yeah, it, I know. All of these things, they take time, but they I do. have not even gone close to YouTube. So <laughs> I always appreciate when people come on. I had a, a guest the other week talking about Clubhouse, and I got on Clubhouse, and then I was in there for 10 minutes and I got really confused and I just signed out and I haven't been back. So it's good to, you know, explore these different horizons, but yeah, YouTube, that seems like a really good one, especially for someone like you when, like, I know before I do any type of exercise, I always look up a YouTube tutorial because you really have to kind of see it, to yep. know what you're doing and again, to not get injured. Yep. And then I kind of like try to explain like what we're thinking about because just replicating a movement sometimes is not quite enough to like know what it's supposed to feel like, or to be honest, when you do a movement and when I do a movement and when other people do movements, they're going to look quite different based on our anatomy, based on our injury history, based on our mobility and neither is right or wrong. Like it's a spectrum. And so I try to like help people realize that sometimes you just need to look for what you're feeling to execute, not necessarily just like mimicking exercise. So, but yeah, YouTube, um, we're trying to put a lot of videos up like that. But YouTube's a whole different platform. But we kind of had to do that because I had no other way of – a lot of the exercises I give my patients are not on YouTube. Or I don't like the way they're explained. So Oh, right. Yeah, like like, I'll just do it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah, pretty well, much. Thank, thank you so, so much for being here. And this was just such a treat to learn from you. And again, I can't wait to stay connected and to follow you at all the places. So thanks so much, Jen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a very fun chat and I hope it was helpful. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.